uh, Nick and Brenda and the guys. Thank you so much. And the kids, yeah. Um, this morning we are ending 19 weeks of going through the Sermon on the Mount, with his, which is just fascinating. It's made my job really easy because uh, people in my role, often they have to make up something new every week. And I've really enjoyed just taking a piece of the text, just taking a little bit at a time. So thank you for giving me the gift of, of being able to, to follow that. But I hope this has been meaningful to you. But um, we're going to end today um, with just some final words. Jesus doesn't give us anything new but he gives us some instruction that I think is, is very helpful uh, for each of us. But a couple things that I want to say. Um, next week we will not be meeting because we're having a Sabbath Sunday. So it's just a chance to give some of our volunteers a break and a rest in this Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, we will not be meeting here next week. But the following Sunday we'll be here. And it's first Sunday. So for first Sunday... Um, we're supporting the Bellevue Community Food Bank, so you can bring gift cards. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, right, we can find the list of things if you want to bring food. But the, the way we can be most helpful is just bring a gift card. Um, that's just our way to serve our community. And then uh, we're going to do, when we come back, we're going to spend a few weeks in Lent, which is just a preparation for the arrival of God. And so we're going to use those few weeks leading up to Christmas to kind of prepare our hearts. What's that? Advent. What did I say? Lent? Wow. If you've not figured out already, um, listen, when I was a little boy, I was inspired by a priest and a pastor. And I, I'm the, they, the way they talked, it was just so elegant. But more than that, I felt like the love of God from these men. And I'm like, I want to do that. And then, um, then I began to think about it. I'm like, wait a minute, you stuttered when you were a kid. And then as I got older, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you actually have to talk if you're going to do this. And so I just want you to know there are some times that I invert words or just miss things. And I, I feel your guys' love. You just go with it. You just smile at me. No one sends me emails going, hey, do you realize what you said? Um, last week, I, I meant to say the word vigilant, and I said vigilant. And you all just went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, you, you mean what I know, right? Like, you just, just go with it. Um, all right, yes, Advent. Uh, preparing our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. And then Christmas Eve at the Bellevue Community Center. So we won't be meeting here. And that's kind of, it's kind of a really neat thing to, to be in the middle of our community. And we have windows there. You could see, maybe it'll be snowing. Maybe we could see the snow. And we'll do a beautiful candlelight service. So, okay, I think that's it. Right, Karen? All right. Let me pray, and then um, we'll jump into this text today. God, thank you for this moment. And I pray that each of us here, including myself, we wouldn't take this moment for granted. That there really is something that happens in the human heart when people gather, and we pray and we lift up um, the one who made us. We lift up the name of Jesus that shows us what it looks like to live these human lives. So I, I pray for each of us in the way that you want to touch our lives or touch our hearts. That's what these moments are about. So we just bring ourselves here. Um, God, we don't live under illusion that you come and go from places. Um, no, we're the ones that come and go. And it's about our awareness. It's about bringing our hearts 
into the moment to be present. So you're already here, and now it's our responsibility to, to bring ourselves here. So I just pray for my friends, if they're carrying some kind of burden, um, something that concerns them, that they would sense your love, your presence here to carry that with them. But may we all just open our hearts to what it is that you might be wanting to speak to us and wanting to guide our lives toward. Would you do that for each of us? In the name of love, I pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, Matthew, right at the end, chapter 7 here, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, I'm going to read this all out and then I'm going to break this down here and we'll talk a little bit about it. But let me read this all the way through. Uh, Verse 21, Matthew chapter 7. Now, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because, it's, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So the words of Jesus, which are always challenging um, on some level for us, um, I want to just talk a little bit about these. Because we get to the end of the sermon, and he gives us no new information, but he gives us this encouragement to go, hey, will will you practice what it is that I've been saying for three chapters? Because that's what this whole thing is about. It's about practicing. It's about being a certain kind of person in the world. And he's speaking to his disciples, all right? They're on a hill, and he's talking to them. And I think this first part, because he gives them this warning. And I think he's thinking that because they're with Jesus, they might be thinking, hey, we're with him. And he's been giving it to the Pharisees in this sermon. Like, he's been calling out the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of their day, and, and he's, he's hammering them because they have this way of going about what they do that seems to be, you know, all these magnificent things. What they really don't do is they don't care about the people that they're supposed to be caring for. What they care, is, what they care about is what they look like and how they're being perceived by people. And I think Jesus in this text is kind of thinking, man, I don't want my disciples to go, hey, um, man, can, can we come back again and you give it, you know, you nail those Pharisees because we're really starting to like this. We're feeling good about ourselves. And I think Jesus says, wait a minute, Um, just because you're with me and listening to me, that's not where it ends. You might do some great things, but are you practicing what it is that I've been teaching? So I want to show you, uh, Eugene Peterson was a pastor that um, really I read, he, he wrote a series of books in the 1980s. And I read, it was on the pastoral vocation. I read it and I'm like, if that's what a pastor is, 
I know now that's what I want to give my life to. And um, many of us have heard he, uh, he wrote the Message Bible. And it's been a nice companion for my, my study, my personal devotion. And so I often go to the Message Bible and see what it says because he has this way of translating it in everyday language. So here's what he says about that text that we just read. This is Jesus. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Matt, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. And our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. Those are harsh words at people like me. But the truth is, is that they're also words that are pointing at, pointed at all of us. And I don't know if you've encountered this, but in my journey of faith, I've encountered super spiritual project leaders who it is really all just about them. And they tend to be very condemning and judgmental of, of other people. I think this is what Jesus is starting right off here in this particular text. And I think he's saying, don't be that kind of person. If you're close to me, you're not going to be these kind of people. If you're close with me, you're going to be practicing these things that I've been teaching for three chapters. What were some of these things? Um, let me tell you. Because he, go, he goes to that next portion of text. He says, therefore. In other words, here's what I mean by this. When I'm saying this is the way I don't want you to be, this is what I mean by this. Practice the things that I've been telling you that are going to lead to your flourishing and your human flourishing. I told you the things that are going to bring you the best kind of life. Now, do it. And so here's some of the things that he was saying prior to, to the portion we got to this. And some, the kids read some of them to us this morning. But he's talking about being merciful and peacemaking. Remember how he starts with the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are merciful. These are the kinds of things that he wants us to practice. How about loving your enemies? All right, so what are some of, what are some of these other ways? How about this? Um, we're not to be the kind of people that repress our anger, but we're to be the kind of people that use our anger appropriately and properly. And then it even goes, even more important than being in a worship service like this, and we're going we're gonna to take communion this morning and, and, and practice the Eucharist. But he even goes on to say, if you're in the middle of a service and you realize that there's someone that you're at odds with and you have the power to make amends and make that right, he would much rather we leave the worship service and go be reconciled to someone. So it's like deal with your anger, but also work to be reconciled with people that in some ways you're sideways with. These are the kinds of things that Jesus is inviting us to practice. And so you see how that, just doing the super spiritual things or the things that look like they're the grand things and not be practicing these kinds of things that Jesus is inviting us to, Jesus say that's missing the boat because that isn't what, this life is about. He's trying to show us a better way of what it looks like to be human. He goes on to say, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mean what you say. Like, when I was younger, especially as I started to understand more systematic theology, it became real clear to me that often systematic theology was totally remote and disconnected from how we live our lives every day. They tend to be these theories and these Things of ways of understanding God that are really hard to wrap our hearts around. But Jesus gives us 
some things that have to do with the ways that we live our lives every day. And I got to tell you, when I got in the world of the intellectual world of talking about all these different ways of understanding God, I actually go, wait a minute, do I even want to be a Christian? Because I really don't see what this has to do with living this life. And I was looking for a faith and something that was going to be something I was going to be able to live and practice. And then I discovered the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm, wait a minute, maybe what Jesus is inviting us to is not these esoteric theories of how to understand God. He's trying to show us what it means to live in relationship with God, what it means to have God's life live through us. And this may be a shock to many of us. They come down to things like this that affect the ways we live every day. And all of us can grasp that with our heart. All of us can be the kind of people who look honestly about how are we doing with these kinds of things? Are we really followers of Jesus? Or do we just listen to the words of Jesus? Or just listen to people talk about Jesus? I think it's really important that, that we get this. He goes on to say, uh, worry less. One of the one of the kids on the video said that God's going to take care of us. So if you really want to know how your faith is doing, and this is a place where I'm being challenged right now, is if you want to know what you really believe in, um, think about how you worry. Because what you worry about really points to what you're really trusting in and what you really, really believe in. I'm being challenged on that in a deep way right now because I worry about lots of things. But when I take the words of Jesus seriously, it confronts me and goes, maybe there's a better way for me to live. Maybe I could live a little more free from worry. And then he goes on to talk about judging others, how we should judge others less and really focus on ourselves. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. Well, there is, in um, systematic theology, you begin to learn these words that I want to teach you. And it, orthodoxy. How many have ever heard that word before? Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is there are these systematic ways of, of understanding God. And if you take the word, it's actually a Greek word, and you want to know what it means? The doxy part, the orthodoxy, it means right opinion. How comforting is that? Like, how many of us need more opinions from, from other people? And here's what I learned as a little boy everybody has a little different twist on their orthodoxy. And so that Greek word, which means right opinion, how many have been in places where this person right orthodoxy. This group says this is the right orthodoxy. And I'll tell you when I finally, because that drove me crazy as a young boy. It's like, oh, I want to do the right thing. Well, okay, this, person, this group says it's the right thing. Oh, wait a minute. This group says this is right. I found myself just going crazy. Wait a minute. These are opinions that people say are right. Um, so maybe we hold that with a little, a little more loosely going, these are ways people have spoken about God or understand God. But there is this other world word called orthopraxy. That is a word I want you to hear today. That is right practice. I think what Jesus was giving us in the Gospels was trying to teach us orthopraxy. Orthopraxy is different than orthodoxy. Praxy over doxy. Everyone say that with me. Praxy over doxy. If you go to our website, um, when you start a church, people ask you, what are your beliefs? Um, you know, and we're really good at like, you know, A, B, and C, and giving people bullet points. If you go to our website, you're going to see it says faith and practice. Why? Because I, I feel like we're taking our cues. If we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we should take our instructions and cues from Jesus. Jesus teaches us orthopraxy. He teaches us there is a right way to practice being human that 
The, the life of God can be lived through you and put you in relationship with God. It's not something that's disconnected from the ways you live every day. So these are things you could test. You know what a litmus test for Jesus is for me? Yes, I have faith. There are things that I trust that I can't see or can't understand. But the reason that my heart can go there is because there are a whole lot of things that I could live out and practice the words of Jesus and find these are true. They matter. They make a difference. This is definitely, undoubtedly a better way to be human. And somehow when I can experience that in an everyday way, it helps me trust the larger concepts of the divine and God and his love and his judgment and forgiveness. But I can't do that apart from having some flesh and blood in the game, right? And going, man, it is to, to love and to forgive is a better way to live than to be hateful or to be unforgiving. And, you know, to be generous is a better way to live than to be stingy. These are the things that Jesus is inviting us to in these texts. And he says, those that hear these words and practice them, that they're building their lives on something entirely different. One of the things that Jesus is inviting us to here is actual life. Like, there's a particular way that we could be in the world. There's a particular kind of people that we could become. And it leads to flourishing and thriving. So faith expressing itself love, practicing love as a way of life and as a living faith. Yes, I think this is the cue that we get from Jesus. And these are the kind of people that we want to try to be. Now, at the, at the end of this text here, and I want to just speak to this just a little bit. But verse 28, it says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. That's always struck me because he teaches all these things and he says, now go practice what it is that I've been saying because that's what it means to live. That's what it means to be in relationship with God. That's what it means to have the life of God, by the way, which was given to you as a gift. You didn't give it to yourself. That's what it means to actualize that and live it out most fully. After he does all this, they were amazed at his teaching, and they said it was different than the teachers of the law. What does that mean? I think it was because of this. I think they saw a person who was living in utter fidelity to the things that he was teaching. Like, there was an alignment of the way he lived and the things that he was saying. And you can, I hope you continue on in, in the Gospel of Matthew because what you begin to see from chapter 8 all the way to the end is Jesus actually living out everything that he taught in the three chapters on the Sermon on the Mount. You get to chapter 8, what is he doing? There are these amazing healing stories that are happening. Everywhere he goes, people are being touched in some way that is bringing healing to their lives. Now, for some of us, that could be, you know, really esoteric. But what if we just started with this, that somehow when Jesus came in contact with people, just his presence and his touch in their life, they were changed in some meaningful way. So from chapter 8 on, everything that follows is healing and flourishing in people's lives. So what was the authority that he was teaching in? I think he was teaching in the kind of authority that people were actually experiencing. He wasn't just giving them intellectual things to think about or ways to think about God. 
But he was touching them in some way, whether it was physical touch or whether it was just his presence or being around the people who were really beginning to practice this. Somehow people were being transformed and healed and changed. So the invitation for us is, are we going to be the kind of people that are willing to practice what Jesus teaches? I hope we will be. Another thing about his authority that is so compelling to me, I've been around many people that claim to be the authority, and often what they give you is, well, why should I think that or why should I believe that? Because I'm the authority and I tell you to say that. How many have ever had that? Like, that's really helpful. Um, and I've, I've told you guys before, in ordination, you know, they tell you what you need to tell them. Whether you believe it or not, or whether you've experienced it or not, um, They've given you a systematic theology, and your job is to go in there and repeat back everything that they told you. Why? Because the authority gave it to you. You know how scary that is at a 20-something? Because you don't have any life experience. But this is what you were told you need to say. And so there is a religious spirit sometimes that just wants to say, hey, I'm the authority, so you better do it. Jesus does not teach in that way. Jesus teaches through a different kind of authority, which is in the name of love and compassion. And it's the way you experience that authority that isn't heavy-handed or fears you or, you know, uh, forces you, but it actually becomes something that's compelling because it touches you at a deep place that's experiential. And I remember when Jesus began to touch my life in this way. I think that's when I really began to live. And then I found more freedom to kind of hold a little more loosely the authority that just seemed to be disconnected from the ways that we lived every day. And I got to tell you, I've been on this journey for a long time, and I trust Jesus more now with my life and with the kinds of things that he's inviting me to than I ever have on my journey. Why? Because it's all just by faith and blindness, you know, blind faith? No. It's because I've actually started practicing these things that Jesus says, and it touches my heart, and I feel his compassion, and I feel like as a human being, I'm becoming what I was made to be. Dallas Willard says this, what does God get out of your life? It's the person that you're becoming. We're invited to practice these certain things. What does God get out of it? Human beings are going to look more like we're, the way we were made to look. The world could look a little more like God intended the world to look. Because God knows we can look around us and we can see a lot of people that don't look like that. And we could see a lot of places in our world that need healing. How's it going to come? It's going to come when people take these words of Jesus seriously. Um, one last thing. I, I read a book many years ago. Uh, it was called uh, Selling Water by the River by Shane Hips. And I learned something from him. He says, never confuse Christianity with Christ. Because one is the river, <laughs> and one is selling water by the river. Think about that for a moment. When I've encountered Christ just purely, it's a river that you can just fall back into and it carries you in some way that is refreshing and helpful and healing. You find yourself getting caught along in something that is moving you in a beautiful way. It isn't forced. But then there are these other systems of Christianity that we've given to us that, um, I'll just be honest, I, I feel like they're not as helpful 
as they could be. And what a lot of people like me do is we want to sell you water by the river when that water is freely given for you just to fall into or to jump into and swim. But that river is these things that Jesus is teaching us. They're actual ways that we live every day. And I just pray that somehow each of us in this room can learn to trust that a little more. Um, Eugene Peterson ends this text with this. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter. In the Bible here. You are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I love, don't use my words just for Bible studies, but work them into your life. Work them into your life. And here's the truth about the of Jesus. We, don't, we aren't always fully aware when the storm is going to come. And it's usually not until the storm comes or something comes into our life that we become fully aware of the foundation that we're building our life on. Um, these words of Jesus are trustworthy. These words of Jesus are foundational to what it means to thrive as human beings. And so for maybe some of us, we're oblivious to the fact of what kind of foundation we're building our lives on. For other of us, we've grown and we've been practicing and, and maybe we're a little more aware. But I do know this truth, that you aren't fully aware of it until some kind of tragedy hits. Do we have to wait till the tragedy hits? Do we wait till, till difficulty comes? Or could we move toward practicing these words in a way that we could begin to trust it? Yeah, that's sturdy. That is a foundation that's worthy of building our lives on. So this morning, um, we're going to invite you to the Eucharist table. What is this? Um, this it, it's simply this. It's for some of us, we need nourishment to live these lives that we've been given. Um, some of us, we need strength. Some of us, we need some kind of healing touch. And for thousands of years, Jesus um, gave, gave his disciples thousands of years ago, say, hey, will you do this? Like, I'm inviting you to practice my words and I'm going to give you something that's going to be a reminder to you to practice the words I'm giving you. Um, but not only is it going to be a reminder, it's going to become somehow in a mysterious way substance for your life. In some mysterious way, it could touch us as we ingest something as simple as bread and juice. Um, there's something beautiful that happens. We swallow it, and I don't understand how it works I just know that Jesus said to practice it. But when I look back on my life, I see how this practice has carried me, has given me strength in some way. And you know how you know it? You know it when you hit difficult patches and you find that there's something certain and strong that is caring for you and holding you. So maybe for some of us here this morning, it's we need strength, we need healing, we need some kind of touch. And... How does God come to us? He comes to us in flesh and blood. He comes to us in the embodiment of real things. So this is a mystery, but this is just the way God works in the world. And then I want to say this. For some of us, um, well, let me say this. For me, 
I am painfully aware of the ways that I still build my house on sand. One of those ways is worry. I've really, through this text, through these last 19 weeks, I've really been confronted with that. Can I grow and become someone that isn't so shaken by when things don't go the exact way I think they should? Um, So I'm standing before you as a humble um, follower of Jesus myself and, and, and confessing that I need this as much as you do. So I'm not speaking from a place of authority like I got it all figured out. But I I think if we would look deeply and honestly, maybe we all could find places in our heart where we have built our lives on sand. And maybe the words of Jesus can beckon, they can call, and they could guide us to a better kind of life that frees us from the things that hinder us from knowing the life that we were made to know. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And then some of us are going to go back to the communion table and we're going to serve you. So we'll start uh, We'll start with the front rows. And this side, if you guys go back to that table, on this side, if you guys will go back to this table over here. And then just return your seat. You could sit down. Karen, we could finally put up that slide now. <laughs> um, one of the things that we learned last week was that Jesus says, hey, you... the." You can identify a tree by its fruit. And maybe that's a better way to identify human beings too, is by the fruit that their life is producing. And so Jesus talks about these are the kinds of things that lead to fruitful living. They're called the fruit of God's spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So maybe as you uh, received this morning, the bread and the cup, maybe you return to your seat and go, huh, I wonder which one of these my life needs to exemplify more and or maybe it's man i'm really doing good on some of these and i want to bring more of these to the world so when you receive this this morning may it be healing and may it be guiding in some way to lead us to the lives that jesus says is absolutely possible let me pray God, I know this morning we're going to swallow bread and juice. And yet somehow, for thousands of years, Christians have have done this. And for thousands of years, people like us have found strength, have found your loving, compassionate presence available to them, have in some mysterious way discovered their lives are being guided and directed to flourishing and to goodness and to the best possible kind of lives. So I don't know how you make it all work. But the invitation to each of us this morning is that we would practice these things. So Jesus, I take you at your word and take you seriously. Now may you show up in the exact way that each of us need through this cup and through this bread. In Jesus' name.